Pastor Xavier Reefs and the price of your faith on today's Simple Truths. Do you see yourself as part of the family of God? If you're thinking biblically, then you will be living biblically. You willingly impart some of your resources to help others when the need arises. Or do you, every time you see a need, do you call the church and say, Hey, listen, this guy, I just sent him over there. Well, if God showed you the guy, you feed him. The thing is, we don't want it to cost us personally. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When it comes to presidential elections, we've heard all sorts of promises and speeches of hope promising change. But there is change and hope available right now. Today, Pastor Xavier opens up the Word of God with this promise from the New Testament book of Acts. Here he is with today's Simple Truth Study, God's People of Love. Jesus declared to a lawyer that the greatest commandment was to love God with all one's heart, soul, and mind. The second was to love one neighbor as oneself. And these two hung all the law and the prophets. This is to be the distinguishing mark of the church. And yet the Bible never hides the failures of its people, nor seeks to disown them. But instead, they are put to public viewing, warts and all. Peter and John had just been arrested for the healing of the lame man, as you know. And they were told not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ any longer. They returned to their company of companions. And rather than praying for protection, they prayed for boldness to speak God's word and signs and wonders. That they might come through the name of Jesus Christ. The place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. The love of God was the motive behind the empowering boldness of the Holy Spirit, revealing their distinguishing mark for all to see. Their love. The motivation. So what we want to do is um, look at the love in the early church and what it was characterized in this passage. So let me read our text for us. 4.32 Now the multitude of those who believed were in one heart and one soul, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now, was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands and the houses sold them, and brought the proceeds to the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated as son of encouragement or, inco- or consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and, they, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped them up and carried them out and 
buried him. Now, it was about three hours later that his wife came uh, in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, telling, uh, tell me whether you sold the lamb for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carried her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church, upon all who heard these things. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's force. Yet none of the rest there joined them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So that they brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, the multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Love in the early church is characterized by the following. First, the power of love. Verse 32 to 37 of chapter 4. Secondly, we have the pretense of love. Chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. And then thirdly, we have the people of love, verse 12 through 16 of chapter 5. The power, the pretense, and the people of love. Let's begin with the power of love here. Notice in verse 32, the believers were a family. The people were thinking like a family, united as one. Very, very important. The believers had grown considerably indicative of the word multitudes, a great number of people, that's what it means. 3,000 were added there at Pentecost in chapter 2. 5,000 in chapter 3 at the healing of the lame man. Considerably, conservatively, that's 8,000. At least one woman, that's 16,000. At two kids, you've got 32,000. So conservatively, 20,000 is not a stretch of the imagination at this point, okay? Notice the united and harmonious oneness of the believers described by the phrase of one heart and one soul. It's indicative of the unity as a community of God's redeemed. They had a common denominator, the Lord Jesus Christ. The heart, cardia, indicates the center of personality, what a person really is in heart. And soul, suki, speaks of the breath of life. The vitality which manifests itself through our physical bodies, our emotions, our intellect, and our will. The unity noticed in heart and soul was based upon what? They'd been born again. The Word of God. And by the way, they didn't have a New Testament. They preached Christ out of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Malachi, Genesis, <laughs> Book of Numbers, the Tabernacle. That faith in Jesus could alone save a person. That's what they were united in. That faith leads to repentance. That the Holy Spirit is given to the believer for that new life. That the Lord adds to the church. That the Lord will heal and do miraculous work as He sovereignly wills. The unity and harmony is repeated in different phrases throughout the book of Acts. Another one is one accord. Notice verse 32 still. The people were not only thinking like a family, but they were acting like a family. The one has to come before the other. You think, you act. Real simple. 
The believers didn't put greater value notice on material things over people. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. This is through the new birth. They had come to a proper perspective. You use things and love people. You can still be a Christian and use people and love things. But that means you're carnal. You understand? It has nothing to do with how much you have or what you don't have. It's an attitude of heart. It's a perspective of mind. They still had property, material goods, but they didn't hoard them for themselves at this point. Now, notice the believers were very benevolent, but they had all things in common. The word but marks a sharp contrast. Things being for the needs of all, not just for their own needs. This is reinforced by the word, notice, common, koinos, from koinonia. It means ordinary or belonging to generalities. Now, this at times has been called true communism. When all live under the same level with the same amount. This is completely a perversion of the scripture. The church was not trying to live in a commune living or anything. This is not what the Bible is teaching, okay? So when a pastor, a teacher, a movement tells you, sell all your stuff and give it to us, get up and walk out. In fact, due to this practice, the Jerusalem church became impoverished. And Paul had to take up a collection, chapter 12, verse 14 to 45, and he delivers it at the end of the third missionary journey. Listen to me real carefully, stewards of the gospel of Christ and of what God gives you. If you spend and give everything away, then you have nothing to produce itself, and one day somebody has to take care of you. All right? You're to be a steward of what you have. Let it work and multiply itself so you can help others. And nobody has to help you. But if you're giving everything away, then pretty soon next week, somebody has to help you. And everything gets worse and worse and worse. You understand what I'm talking about? Look at verse 33. The believers were bold in proclaiming their common heritage. The apostles were enabled. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now, the repeated empowerment for service is according to the promise that it was going to come upon them. Acts 1.8. For service. Here it is again. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness in chapter 4, verse 31. They received the day of Pentecost, chapter 4.31. Here again. And notice their witness to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus involves two things. First, to give a witness. Marturion. A testimony of the promise of eternal life through the gospel of salvation. But secondly, also to give a witness, a testimony of the power of God to work miraculously, sovereignly. You give a witness of the gospel, God's ability to do the things he wants, sovereignly. Notice the apostles were endowed with incredible opportunity. It says, and great grace was upon them all in verse 33. Wow. That phrase, great grace, is found only one time in the New Testament, right here. The word great is megas. Simply means immense or large, be it in mass or in number. Someone says you have mega bucks, means you have a lot of money. The mega power, due to the resurrection, was the evidence of great grace being manifested. Simply spoken, God sovereignly poured out revival to touch the heart of people and have them respond. The meaning is simply that grace was abundant at the work of saving people. By the number of people being convicted and saved by the Holy Spirit as they heard the gospel. By the unconditional acceptance, by repentance, apart from the law of Moses, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the signs and miracles being performed in the name of Christ. Wow. Look at 34 through 37. 
the believers were ready to help their brothers and sisters. In 34, they verify their words by their deeds and actions. First John says, when word and deed become one, that becomes truth, right? Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. And the word lack means they were not needy or destitute. In other words, their basic needs were met. Not their greeds. Notice they were willing to meet the needs that were presented. For all who were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things they were sold. The use of the imperfect tense, the Greek scholars tell us, uh, the word sold means they did so continually as the need arose. So in other words, you read the English, it might give you the idea that they sold everything one time and gave it. No. As the need arose. The same thing was said in chapter 2, verse 44 and 45. Listen. Now all who believed were together in all things in common. Koinonia. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among them as anyone had need in the process. Same tense. Okay? Look at 35. They trusted the integrity of the apostles due to their stewardship. Very important. And laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each one as anyone had need. The apostles had received the donated money at the beginning, as we've seen. And they had been responsible to distribute it and it had been in an efficient, effective manner. They were good stewards. The apostles were trusted now due to their character. So that now they will continue to do the same thing they began to do. Taking the donations, distributing as the need arose. You want to make sure that wherever you go, wherever you give, that that ministry is going forward. They gave voluntary, recognizing the apostle as the leaders of the work. Because they were present, they were seeing what God was doing, and they were witnesses. You understand? They had examples like Barnabas. One man is pulled out. Here he is, 36 and 7. He was nicknamed by the apostles. His name was Joseph. He was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is son of consolation or encouragement. He was a Levite by lineage. Levites couldn't own land in the Old Testament, Numbers 18, 20, Deuteronomy 10, 9. Now at this point they could. And he was originally from the country of Cyrus, that island. And he was the brother of John Mark's mother. That made him an uncle to John Mark. We're going to see a little account of them as we move on in the book of Acts. Barnabas is a man who takes a chance on people. When nobody wanted to take a chance on Paul, he took a chance on Paul. When Paul didn't want to take a chance on John Mark, he took a chance on John Mark. You understand? It doesn't mean Paul was wrong. We'll get to it when we get there. But we need many, many Men who are Barnabases who serve and pour themselves into other young men. You understand? He verified his words by his actions. He met some of the needs and trusted the apostles. Also, having sold it, the land, he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. William Gladstone, in announcing the death of Princess Alice of the House of Commons, told a touching story. The little um, daughter of the princess was seriously ill with diphtheria. And the doctors told her, please be real careful that you do not do anything to endanger your life and breathe in the germ, the infection into you. And in one of those moments when the girl, the daughter was struggling to breathe, she said, mommy, kiss me. Without hesitation, the mommy just kissed her tenderly. It was not long that she died also of diphtheria. But see, love 
responds. Love doesn't look to itself. You understand what I'm talking about? We are a loveless country in a loveless church today. It's all about me. It's amazing. Do you see yourself as part of the family of God? If you're thinking biblically, then you will be living biblically. Do you give a witness of your heritage in Christ to others? Personal witness of the gospel of repentance through faith in Jesus Christ to be forgiven from sins. Rather than a very social gospel, very general thing. The promise of God's provisions to enable you to live that life afterwards. Do you willingly impart some of your resources to help others when the need arises? Maybe some of your neighbors need help. Maybe someone at work. Maybe one of your family members. Do, do you extend yourself? Or do you, every time you see a need, do you call the church and say, Hey, listen, this guy, I just sent him over there. Well, if God showed you the guy, you feed him. The thing is, we don't want it to cost us personally. Do you have to be wise in your giving and who you give to? Absolutely. There are people who are professional beggars. There are people who will crank down on the begging pressure. You need to use good common sense. Balance with good loving kindness. Knowing that what you do, you do as unto the Lord. Not to me, not to anyone else. Please. Jesus said this in John thirteen thirty four: A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. The degree and the intensity is as I loved you. The power of love was very evident in the early church. And notice secondly, verse 1 through 11 of chapter 5, we have the pretense of love. That's always a negative. It's always present. Okay? The book of Acts, our pattern. The persons here involved were a married couple. It says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. The couple stand in sharp contrast to Barnabas. The name Ananias means Yahweh is gracious or has graciously given from the Hebrew Hananiah. As we will see, he was not so gracious. He was a contradiction to his own name. He was grieving God. The name Sapphira means beautiful from the Aramaic, a precious stone. As we will see, she also was not a prized possession before God. She was a contradiction to her own name, unattractive to God. The couple stood in as hypocrites before God. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias retained some of the money. You say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, let's follow the text. It says, the phrase kept back, it means to set apart for oneself. The word appears only three times in the New Testament. Once here, then in verse uh, 3, and then once again in Titus 2.10. And there it's translated pilfering money. You know what that is? That's what Judas did. He was a treasurer and he took out some money. The same word is used in Septuagint for Achan, who took the treasure or the booty from Jericho. And again, words meanings change. Today, booty is a different thing. Booty is a treasure. The gold, the silver, the garments. All right? Ananias did what all others did, but not from a pure heart. Understand this is the problem. Without doubt, others had not given all, but they didn't do it to appear as they did. 
Sapphira notice was in agreement with her husband. She was one with the plan. She was one with the deceptive lie. She was one in acting pretentious before the church congregation and gathering. And this is the scenario. They're before the congregation here. The gathering. Notice Ananias walked into the gathering, went to the apostles, laid it down, the money donated at his feet. And he and his wife wanted to appear benevolent like Barnabas without being like Barnabas. And he and his wife wanted the adulation and the honor deceptively that had been given to Barnabas honorably. Notice verse 3 through 6. The pretentious Ananias was confronted. In verse 3, Peter charged Ananias with his hypocrisy. The apostle points out the person he yielded to. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? Again, we have the contrasting conjunction. But Ananias was not doing what he said he was doing. The phrase, Satan filled your heart, means to yield to the influence and the leading of Satan. He did not have to yield. He gave place to it by choice. He allowed it to take place in the heart. That's where it takes place. Peter received the word of knowledge from God. God gave him the information. A word of knowledge is God giving you information about a person, the present or the past, in a way that you didn't look it up, you didn't talk to nobody, nothing else. God gives you that information. He says, that person's an adultery. Now, you make sure God speaks to you. You're not just flipping your lip and destroying lives. You're responsible if you say God's speaking to you. God spoke to Peter here. Notice the apostle pronounced the personal front to lie to the Holy Spirit. Lying to the Holy Spirit and keeping back part of the money are not describing purpose as much as the result of Satan filling the heart. Because he allowed Satan to fill his heart, the result was this. You understand? Man can be deceived and lied to, but not God. He went further than he Perhaps intended. This is the problem with you and me as sinners. We think we're in control. Well, I'll only go so far. And you know what? Then we get sucked in. And then we say, what did I do? Because you gave place to it. You contemplated. Then you planned. Then you got up to exercise. The apostle unmasked a deceptive plan. And you kept back part of the price of the land for yourself. The genitive implies premeditation, the place in the heart. Look at four. Peter cleared up any misunderstanding that Ananias or anyone else was ever compelled to give any money. Ananias had full control over the money to do what he willed or pleased. While it remained, was it not your own? Rhetorical. There's only one answer. Yes. Ananias had full control. Exousia, meaning authority, over his money. After he sold it. And after it was sold. Was it not your, in your own control? Yes. There is a word play here. Literally, did it not remain yours? Yes. It's your money. You can do what you will. You weren't forced. You weren't begged. You weren't pressured. You, letters didn't sent out. Please didn't go out. It was in your control. And then Ananias has asked a simple question. Listen to it. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? All deception is conceived, planned, and carried out in the heart. Jeremiah 79, Matthew 59. The heart. And the thing, that which has been done, namely the act of hypocrisy, pretentiousness. Notice Ananias was charged then with the sin against God. You have not lied to man, but to God. Underline that. 
Real simple. Sin is always first against God, secondly against man and with man. First is against God, the vertical axis. Pastor Xavier Reese and the devastating impact of sin. Now, there's much more to come on the topic next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can always pick up a copy of this message. And the title to ask for is God's People of Love. It's available on CD for just $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. Now, once again, the title to ask for is God's People of Love. Or simply mention today's date. And you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. What's the best way to reach the lost? And that's coming up on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. And tell a friend. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 